you know the vibes welcome back to another episode of the hoop genius podcast brought to you by nba 2k24 you can get your copy from the link in the description it's myself moment see alongside me as always the three-time nba champion bj armstrong parking up perry the gm extraordinaire <laughs> Mr. Scott Perry joins us once again for his weekend session. Boys, hey man. how you guys been? But, hey, Mo, how are you doing? I'm, I'm blessed. I, I, I got to ask, start this show off with a question to you. Okay. What happened in the garden the other day? No LeBron, no AD. What? And the Lakers go in and handle yourself what happened yes yes <laughs> yes um so you know it, they said no ad and no lebron and i thought okay cool you know am i even still gonna watch this game you know me i'm a sicko yeah. i have to watch the game if it's on um it's what bj and i refer to as a trap game because once ad and lebron were off the uh off on the injury list you could tell the Celtics weren't taking this game seriously and for the lakers credit to them you know, Austin Reeves had a huge game, but also like Jared Vanderbilt before he got injured was hitting back-to-back threes. We had never seen that before. And I think the Celtics just didn't show up for the game. They just turned up to the arena, thought there's no LeBron, there's no AD, we're going to walk this one. Not remembering that anyone who's in the NBA is still pretty damn good. And credit to the Lakers, they had a fantastic performance. And well, I think for, for LeBron, he's smiling on the bench knowing that these guys are inflating their trade value for him. But, um, <laughs> but it, it was great, no, you know. No, no, so no, con- no, no, no concern for you in Celtic oh, land? I've, I've <laughs> said <laughs> since the summer, all season long, that the Celtics ain't winning the championship this year. So it's not a concern because I already <laughs> knew it was going to happen. When you're a team that refuses <laughs> to take shots at the basket and hunts down three-pointers on every <laughs> possession, regardless... I don't yeah. think that's a recipe for winning an NBA championship. Is it a recipe for getting off to a hot start in a regular season because of the shooting variance? Yes. Is it a recipe for championship basketball? I don't. So, yeah. you know, I'm I'm yeah. not concerned because I don't have the expectation. I just well, miss Ime I understand. <laughs> well, I tell you what, the Lakers shot the ball extremely well from three, kind of beat them at their own game, but they took 12 less. But shot like fifty two percent. I think they were mm-hmm. nineteen for thirty six from three that night. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you could play that game ten times yes. over, and they wouldn't shoot like that again, and they probably right, wouldn't win right. again. But because yeah, they have, they haven't shot that well as a, as a team all year, really. I mean, nope, they're not nope. one of the better shooting three point teams. But you know, the, hey. these things happen, and hopefully, it's a wake up call for the Celtics. Well, I've said that about like five games in the past week. <laughs> hopefully, it's a wake up call. <laughs> but I'm waiting for them to wake up. I'm waiting for the post All Star break, Jason Tatum leap that we usually see, okay. and um, we'll see, we'll see. But thank you for reminding me, Scott, Scott. <laughs> because I'm trying to forget about that. And I, I woke up the next day to every Laker fan in the UK who decided to message me laughing. <laughs> you lost to Austin Reeves. <laughs> I said, okay, cool, okay, cool. <laughs> but just know when we get to the playoffs and you guys ain't there, I'm gonna message you guys every single day. Just, I'm, I ain't gonna forget. I ain't gonna forget. But, <laughs> but Scott, as you're here, um, I wanted to get your opinion on the All-Stars because BJ and I talked about this. BJ was outraged that Victor Wembanyama is not in the All-Star game. But I wanted to get your thoughts. You know, a couple of your guys, Brunson, Randall, they're in the All-Star teams. I don't know if Randall will play because of the injury, but right. it's good for him to get that accolade. But what are your thoughts on the All-Star selections? Is there anyone who should have been in that's not in, and if so, who should they be replacing? First of all, well, I thought it was a really good job of selecting the All-Stars from both the Eastern and Western Conference. Again, public shout-out to my guys there in New York, um, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Congratulations to you guys. Very well-deserved. The team is playing excellent. So very happy for them and, and Knicks Nation. Also happened, happy for the other first timers in the Eastern Conference: Tyrese Maxey, um, loved Paolo uh, Banchero. Yep. And what I've noticed, and it's, it's kind of been this way for the majority of the time that I've been in the league, people are being players are being rewarded for uh, helping their teams win. In both conferences, the top six teams in both conferences have representatives in the All Star Game with the exception of the Sacramento Kings, who have two players in their own right, in both De'Aaron Fox and uh, DeMontis Sabonis, 
who I thought played well enough to be obviously I'm, I'm strongly considered and even, you know, get a spot on the team. But as I looked at the, the Western Conference team, you try to figure out who I'm going to take out for one of those guys. It's just a tough year. I think they're just really loaded in the Western Conference with top performers well, right now. I, think, so I, I feel bad for those guys how, because how I did, thought that they uh, played well well enough for at least one of them to be there. I think had it not been for Carl Anthony Towns scoring 62 points the other week, I think Savonis yep. should have been in instead of Carl Anthony Towns. But obviously yeah. it's the All-Star game and they want the big names and the big headlines because yeah. Savonis yeah, ain't coming out. That, scoring that, I think that's a good observation because he would have been the one I kind of looked at. But again, Minnesota is sitting at the top of the Western Conference uh, standing. So uh, he probably got a little bit of bump uh, from that. And that might also, you know, the 62-point game, plus being in first place, probably gave him the nod over a guy, guy like Sabonis or De'Aaron Fox. A lot of fans are outraged that Trey Young is not on the All-Star team once again, despite putting up great numbers. It's worth reminding those fans of Trey Young. Even LeBron James tweeted about this last night. He said that there's something fishy going on because his stat lines aren't being rewarded. Um, the Atlanta Hawks may have won their last three games, but before that, they were 18 and 27. They were barely in a playing spot. And you're telling me that those numbers should be accounted for and Trey Young should be an all-star despite his team having such a bad start to the season. In my opinion, I'm not mad that Trey Young's not in the all-star game. Do you guys have any thoughts to that? No, I, I agree with you there. Winning has to matter. Taking nothing away from Trey Young, tremendous talent. Uh, but to your point, you've got to, you know, those numbers have to translate more into winning. Uh, for me, uh, to receive a nod over some of these other guys to, to become an all-star. Uh, I read something earlier, though, today that um, he will become the second player, I guess, who's at, who's averaged 25 points, 10 assists for a season uh, not to make an all-star team. I think the other one, go back some years, and BJ will remember his name was Michael Adams. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, tough for him. But I can't argue with, with the other selections because, again, winning really does matter because that's why we're doing this thing in, in the first place. So it's about winning. It's about trying to compete for a championship. And so, um, you know, Trey Young will be around, and I'm sure he, he'll have another opportunity uh, to crack into that 12-man uh, well, All-Star roster. He could have an opportunity this year because Julius Randle dislocated his shoulder. He won't be playing in the All-Star game and potentially Joel Embiid may not be in the All-Star game as well. So BJ wants to see Scotty Barnes take one of those spots. Uh, Scott, if you could pick two players who didn't make the cut, you know, there's a lot of names out there. Jimmy Butler, Paul Zengis, Derek White, Trey Young himself. Like, who would you like to have those two spots in the Eastern Conference? Well, uh, that's again, that's a tough one. Uh, I think Derek White has had a great year. The Celtics are the top team in the Eastern Conference. Um, I may look to him for one of those positions. Um, the second one, uh, I love Scotty Barnes and what he's doing um, and what, what he's doing there in Toronto. And I think he is an all-star caliber performer. But again, he hasn't had the number of wins. Uh, but in this unique circumstance where two guys could miss and then – you know, guys get elevated, that may not matter as much anymore. So I may lean a little more towards uh, Scotty Barnes is, is getting that uh, last spot. BJ, you, you picked Scotty Barnes, but you still got one more slot. Who's the other player from the East that you would like to step up to the All-Star game? Well, I, I'm going to let you guys have the East because I'm over here fuming about why <laughs> Wim Vinyama is not in the All-Star game. Okay, I, can, I can't, I can't focus. The business here. I can't, but, I can't focus on the other stuff right now. Also, Wimbyama uh, is the business also, of basketball. Also, 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 I wanted to see Shangun in the All Star game. Well, all right, I would have had him over. <laughs> Yama is the most interesting, fascinating player I've seen over the last twenty years. He is the future of the NBA. He is about the business. He represents what this game is about on a global scale. And and I don't get a chance to see him playing against the very best players in the world. Now we can talk about winning. Let's talk about winning. Well, right now, for whatever the reason may be in San Antonio, which I don't know, okay, none of us are peeking behind the curtain, he's being load managed where he's only allowed to play between 24 to 28 minutes a night. 
for whatever the reasons may be, right? Maybe it's a long-term approach, whatever it is. This young man is without question. He's the most interesting player that we've seen. And every single night, he has some type of highlight that you just go, wow, I've never seen that before. Why, if we are here and we're talking about the basketball business and then we're talking about the business of basketball, he fits the description. Why is he not in the game? I can't get past all the other stuff. Congratulations to everyone who made it. I'm not about taking guys off here, but Wimbenyama is without question. You can't tell me that there are 24 players or that are better than him where he should not be featured and what this league is all about moving forward as a business. I don't understand. I don't get it. So I'm stuck there. I'm just going to, before I go down that path, <laughs> Wimbenyama is an all-star game. I'm going to feature him, and I guarantee you we'll get more people that will watch that game than what we're going to watch there on that Sunday. Absolutely. I, I, it's it's I, worth noting, though, um, LeBron James as a rookie didn't make it into the All-Star game. Michael right. Jordan as a rookie did make it into the All-Star game because he was voted in by the fans. So if we're right. looking at the fan vote, uh, in order of most votes um, over there in the Western Conference, you have LeBron, Jokic, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Alperin Sengun, uh, Paul George, and then Victor Wembanyama. So that was the order of voting from the fans. Um, some of that could be down to the market size of San Antonio. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I would love to see Wemby in that game. But he's going to be at the Rising Stars mm -hmm. game on Friday night. Um, but I'm absolutely distraught because I got invited to All-Star Weekend. And I got invited way too late because every single hotel in Indianapolis is fully booked. So I have my tickets, but I can't get to the city. So that's a, that's a big problem for me right now. <laughs> so I'm not sure what to do about that. But let's talk about winning, right? Because that's what this is all about. The All-Star Game is fun, but it's all about the postseason and getting in. And now with the last couple of years, we've had the invention of the play-in tournament to secure the seven and eight seeds. I want to ask you guys, who are the most dangerous teams currently in a play-in position that you wouldn't want to see in the first round of the playoffs? I'll start the Eastern Conference first. And I'm going to go with the Miami Heat. And here's why. Look, they've got one of the best coaches in the league. Um, this is was very proven in these type situations. They did it just last year. They came out of the play-in round, went all the way to the NBA Finals. They have everybody back, uh, with the exception of excellent role players in Struess and um, uh, Gabe Vincent. But they added here recently Terry Rozier. And so I know they've struggled here lately. You know, they had lost seven straight, but now they've, won two since that uh, losing streak. But they're a team that perseveres throughout the regular season as they assimilate Rozier into a, a greater role with this group. Just the experience, the toughness, the discipline with, with which they play, I just really think the Miami Heat are a team that nobody above them really wants to see because they're not going to beat themselves. You got to really beat them. BJ, anyone in the Eastern Conference play in spots that you would be afraid of? Well, I mean, I think, you know, well, you and I do the show every single day. You know what I think about the Miami Heat, right? I don't yeah. care. About yeah. the, I mean, that it is what it is. So I'm going to just be consistent. The Heat are going to figure this out. I thought they had a, extra, a, a terrific player for their style. I think it's going to take some time for them to figure out any, how to incorporate that. However, if you're saying today, I'm going to say the Miami Heat, I think they currently stand seventh or eighth or somewhere around there right yep, now. Seventh, seven, yeah, 26, seven, and yes, 23 in, while we record this. In the, in the standings. So I'm going to say the Miami Heat as well. Well, I have one that is a team that's not currently in the playing position. But when you look at the Eastern Conference, you've got a Celtics out in front. Then you've got the Bucks, the Knicks, and the Cavs kind of all battling for that two and three spot. The uh, Sixers are just below them in fifth. Then the Pacers have lost their last three. But as you said, with Miami assimilating Terry Rozier, the Sixers are going to assimilate uh, pass, uh, the Pacers, sorry, are going to assimilate Pascal Siakam into their roster. Now, with Joel Embiid's injury, if the Philadelphia 76ers were to drop a few games here, they could fall below the Pacers in the Heat and find themselves in the play in. And then if Joel gets healthy in time for the playoffs, you could have Joel Embiid, the reigning MVP, as a seven or eight seed 
in the hold East. Hold on a minute, Mo. Hold on a minute, Mo. So you're trumpeting Joel Embiid now as being dangerous? I mean, in the first <laughs> round. Exactly. Stop, 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 stop. I didn't say the second round. Exactly. I said okay. The first all right. Round. All right. <laughs> second round, we ain't worried. You know, I'm you're not ready the first round. round. Okay. All right. I'm, 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 I'm just, just thinking. So I'm hearing you right. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just thinking. Okay. Exactly. Let's say. <laughs> let's say he they end up as the seventh seed. He comes back for the playoffs, and then they're facing okay. maybe Milwaukee, the two seed in the first round, and Doc Rivers and everything he's been doing in the playoffs since 2008 onwards um <laughs> it could get a little tense that's all i'm saying okay, okay. that's, that's all, all right. i'm saying over there i didn't see the second round i, I, I see bj's reaction down there too He's <laughs> <laughs> i love mo i love see mo didn't think i've been listening to him i, I don't think he thinks i've been listening <laughs> All right, over in the West. Over yeah. in the West, who are we looking at? Right now, as we record this, it's the Pelicans in seven, Mavericks in eight, Lakers in nine, and the Jazz in tenth. Scott, who you got in the West that's dangerous? Well, I'm going to have to go with the Los Angeles Lakers, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You can never bet against LeBron. The, uh, yeah, well, the, the experience there. Look, they, they again, like we talked about with Miami, they came out of the play-in last year. But they went all the way to the conference finals. They didn't make it all the way to the finals, but they made it to the conference finals. And what favors them once the playoffs come is that there's two and three days between games, especially in the early parts of the series. And so now you get a rested team. You get, you know, the pace of the game probably slows down just a touch in the playoffs, which will favor, uh, you know, an older LeBron and an Anthony Davis. And, um, you know, and I like the the depth. You know, even though they've been inconsistent during the regular season, uh, what I liked last year was how Darvin Ham wasn't afraid to go deeper into his bench. I think we talked about that last week, and uh, and call upon guys in any given set, uh, situation. They have some versatile uh, players on the wing that can defend multiple positions, like in Cam Reddish and and Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, Rui Hachimura, those guys. Uh, and I just, you know, in, in the series, I like them. Um, uh, they kind of showed us earlier this year in the play-in tournament. Again, I know it's not the NBA playoffs, but they showed us an ability earlier this year to kind of lock in, in in that tournament-type environment and come out successful. Absolutely. And I think the Western Conference is interesting because – you're almost more afraid of the three and four seeds, the Clippers and the Nuggets right now, rather than the Thunder and the Timberwolves because of their relative lack of experience, right. maybe. So right. I think there's more potential for an upset in the first round over in the West. BJ, who are you looking at in the in the lower half of the Western Conference? Well, Mo, I'm, I'm going to stay technical. You know, you're, you're, you were very technical. You said seven through ten. So I, uh, I don't know. I mean, if me you like got someone outside seven through ten, we well, can hear that well, too. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to stay there. I'm just going to say, I, you know, mm. I want to say New Orleans – but as we were talking off air, the inconsistency with New Orleans just won't allow me to, to choose them as we head into the playoffs. But I, I, I like their team. So I'm going to I'm going to say the Dallas Mavericks, you know, Dallas. I'm just going to say Dallas, but I really want to pick the Houston Rockets. I want to. That's pick who Houston, they're 11. That, that, but once they're they 11, Jalen Green. Yes. Dallas, so, Dallas was another team I looked at, though, BJ. I, yes. I yeah. I, I'm just going to say Dallas, mm-hmm. you know. To reiterate what Scott said, the game's going to slow down. I think it will favor Luca once the playoffs begins, right? I mean, because he plays at a pace that he can play in the half court. He can play. He plays at his own speed, right? Mm-hmm. So I think Luca will, will will be a problem at seven to ten. But the team and, that and I'm rooting th- for, don't forget though, they also have Kyrie, who's been missing a bunch of games. But Kyrie's known for his performances in the postseason. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Luca. DJ said it ain't 2016 no more. (laughs) I'm gonna stick with Luca on that one. And then, Mm. but the team I'm really rooting for is the Houston Rockets. I I, I really like what they're doing, I like how they're playing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they just have athletes. I mean, they, they have some really good young athletes that are playing. I mean, it seems like they're they are a fun team to watch play. They play above the rim. And Coach Doka has these guys, they're believing. You could see the growth from last year to this year. You could see the growth from the beginning of the season till now. 
And what I like most about what they do, guys, is defensively they get after it. I mean, they 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 really they give you a good effort. They play with a certain level of physicality that's you know to me is is fun to see, and I, I like what they're doing. Yeah. So, no, um, I, 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 I like what I like what they're doing. I like what they're doing as well. Too bad that uh, Stephen Adams is not healthy to play right now. When they yeah yeah play. yeah, yeah. Stephen Adams he was there. Play it there. Yeah, he would. He, he, they would be a real tough out. Well, they yes, have be. a plethora of first round picks and Jalen Green, who's reportedly being shopped right now. What would you like to see them add to their team? You know, what kind of archetype of player would you like to see them add? I think I would like to see them add. Um, Again, we talked about the physicality. They've addressed that with Steven Adams, even though he won't be available this season. Um, maybe more depth in the backcourt um, behind Van Fleet. Um, I think I'd like to see them do that. Maybe add another. Um, well, and Tyre Eason is, you know, I really like that kid too. He's a really athletic kid on the wing. I was going to say add another wing there. Is that the kid from Villanova, Scott? Is that the kid from Villanova? No, Ty Eason was a kid that played at, um, I think University of Washington, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Tyre Eason, a, didn't he play at LSU? LSU, yes, right. I'm sorry. I'm, I stand corrected. He, tran he transferred there for one year. Yeah, he but he's the reason why before. I said Washington, but he's a Seattle kid. That's okay. why he's, he's from. Okay. He's, he's from. Uh, he's from out in that Seattle area. So that's why I got it uh, mixed. What's up. the kid from Villanova? What's the kid from Villanova? Over uh, Cam Whitmore. Yeah, is the young is the young kid. Man, what I can't believe he slid. We said this, BJ, when we recorded about the draft. I can't believe he slid, and some teams didn't like what they heard from him during the interviews in the pre-draft process, being the reason they slid down. But given that he played in Villanova, it's only a matter of the time before the Knicks swoop in and try and get him on their roster. You know what's interesting? It was interesting about Whitmore. You know, I watched him last season at Villanova. In a couple games that I saw him, did, quite frankly, didn't play very well. Coach didn't have him in at the end of the games. But then I went and watched his uh, pre-draft workout, uh, actually near you, BJ, out in uh, Santa Barbara. Okay. And, man, for, you know, again, it's a one-on-none workout, so you always have to be a little cautious. But just to watch him, he shot the ball extremely well. Uh, great physicality about him. I mean, he's super strong, great body. Um, showed excellent athleticism in the workout. And so I think that workout helped maybe alleviate some of the concerns what people saw during the regular season, but also, uh, but, you know, not enough to to move him up where a lot of people had projected him last year, which was in the lottery. So um, as we talk about so many times, it's about getting to the right place. I think he's in a good situation with a very strong coach who's going to push him, develop him, and uh, bring the very best out of him. Let me ask you guys about this. How would you feel about, because the the Rockets have a bunch of Brooklyn's picks from the James Harden trade. Um, how would you feel about them trying to go after Mikhail Bridges? Because the Brooklyn Nets are kind of stuck in no man's land. They gave them some of their picks back, um, gave them a younger player in Jalen Green, who's got a high ceiling. How would you feel about that? Well, I think anytime you can get a professional like that in Mikhail Bridges, I think that, that that's the one word, and we've talked about it before, that stands out with him. He's a professional, so he adds a great deal of professionalism to a younger team down there. A lot of playoff experience. He can play off of other good guys. He's not the franchise player, so he's not going to be your number one or either the number two option. But, boy, he's a good player that you add to your total depth, and he plays winning basketball, so – I like it. You got a starting five then of Van Fleet, um, Mikael Bridges, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith, and Alperen Sengun. BJ, how'd you like the look of that for the playoffs? Well, I, I like I like size and length, and I like players who have a sense of what they can do as far as matching up on the defensive end. So I think that would be a terrific, you know, a terrific pickup for them. However. You know, as I was thinking, as you guys were talking, I was just thinking about the kid Thompson that they got. I think it's Amen. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, Amen I mean, Thompson. Amen oh, he's Thompson. A tremendous okay. athlete. Yes. Okay. He's a tremendous athlete. And defensively, you know, as we were talking about guard depth, you know, I, I, I've i kind of watched him for the last year and a half or so. 
you know, Scott, I think he has a chance. Now, is he ready right now? No, but I think no. he has a chance. I think he understands the lead guard position. I really yes. do. Yeah, no, I and agree. With, I, I, with I, yeah, go ahead. With his size and defensively, he gives a fantastic effort as a young player on that end. Yeah. So I, I am kind of, before I start moving players, I kind of want to see what I got because I think this kid has poten great potential as a lead guard and a defensive player. I think he could really lead a team and play at a championship level. I, I so don't you know, before I start moving players around, but that's yeah. just, just, yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I just get a sense in Houston. And so that's probably why I said what I said in that, even though they're a younger group, I get a, an organizational sense that they want to win now. I know the coach wants to win now, <laughs> you know, so it's always that delicate balance of mm -hmm. what you're talking about, BJ, developing a, a tremendous young talent. But as and you were a former point guard, that probably is will take the longest to develop. Yes. Yeah. You know, you know, it's just like an NFL quarterback. So uh, do they have that kind of time? Do they think he's ready to contribute to playoff basketball this year? Because I do think that the Houston Rockets I, are yeah. trying to make a push to make at minimum be in the play in. Yeah, but, because they, they know, signed veteran players. They, they, they just, signed yes, Brooks and Van exactly. and then Schengen's exactly. development's come along so far. So I wouldn't blame them for making if, a push, if, especially yeah. with no clear cut favorite right now this season. Yeah. If we if we were in a if we were in a team room right now and Scott was running a team and say I'm scouting or what have you, I would be mm -hmm. pushing for this kid Thompson. Because <laughs> I think that kid is a star. I okay. really I think he has a chance. athlete, great motor. Mm -hmm. I think he has a chance to be a star as a lead guard at his size yeah. on both sides of the ball. I think he without mm -hmm. question to me, he's an all defensive caliber player. Yeah. And then as he improves offensively, shot and so forth and so on. Yeah. That, I just think you got a I think he got a star player there. So yeah. I would be very careful. I know we get caught into winning now. Mm -hmm. I think this kid could be a 10-time all-star. And that's how I I, I value he, even as a guard who can't shoot the three ball. Shoot shooting I, guys who can't shoot doesn't bother me. That yeah. that's because it's yeah. one thing that I know you will improve in the NBA because that's all you can do is shoot. You don't practice during the year, yeah. so you so yeah. I'm not worried about his shooting. However, yeah. what he does on the defensive end, you that either you you're going to give it or you're not. I, I I'll share a quick story with that. I had a, a point guard. I coached for a brief time in college and I'll let you know who it is. Tell me some years ago, I think I was working in Orlando at the time and we were talking about um, point guard play and shooting the three ball. And, you know, like this push the you know, if a guy has to shoot threes to be good. And he told me, he said, Scott, he said, I didn't shoot threes for eight straight years. When I first entered in the league, I didn't start shooting until after my eighth season. Then he eventually became one of the uh, league leaders and made three-point shots. And that's Jason Kidd. He said, but nobody could keep me out of the lane. Thank you. And he said, that's a problem for every defense in the league. I said, he said, I don't care what area it is. Somebody can get in that lane every night is going to be problematic for the opposing team's defense. And I think this kid, Thompson, to BJ's point, has very good vision. And, you know, as long as he can get to the lane, I think the first step in terms of shooting, just getting to where he's making free throws consistently enough mm -hmm. because he's going to be able to draw fouls because he's strong and athletic. And he, from a size uh, factor, I mean, he'd probably be the biggest, if, you know, one of the bigger ones, if not the biggest point guards in the league on a nightly basis. So but, but very it's interesting. It's, but you got to be – but you got to commit to being able to play this guy each and every night and live with some of the mistakes and, and the growing pains that come with developing a young player. But it's also and a different league to now when, when at the, at the, point played, the, league, the league was very different. But I hear what you're saying because John Morant's not a great three-point shooter and he's still no, one of the best exactly. guys in the NBA right now. Exactly. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how that develops because then obviously that impacts the rest of the players you can have out there on the floor with, mm -hmm. with the point guard if he's not going to be a, a prolific shooter. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how he develops and what moves the Rockets make. But which teams are you looking at this week uh, to focus in on 
And really, as we creep in, was it two weeks now, 10 days until the trade deadline? Who are you looking at on the court and off the court? Well, first team that comes to mind for me is the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. I think Kaminga's been balling like crazy. Oh, he, 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 uh, oh, he's he's playing great. He's showing, and we talked about this earlier, uh, maybe a month or two ago, about his emergence as a player. We kind of could see it in spots. Now it's there on a consistent basis. But look, over half the season is gone. They're in the 12th position right now. 21 and 24. Yeah, reports out of Golden State are they're not going to move Thompson or Green prior to the deadline. So, you know, maybe they'll entertain things with uh, entertain offers for maybe Wiggins and or Chris Paul. But they got to start winning some games to at least get into this playing round. And this road trip that they're on this week, they're on the East Coast, got the Hawks, the Nets, Sixers, and Pacers, and then finish up at home against uh, the Phoenix Suns. To me, this this is a make-or-break week for them, in my opinion. They've got to come out with a winning record on this trip so that they uh, can give themselves a chance to ascend and get up at least into that realm and then see – what can happen come play in playoff times? Can they rely on all of that experience and and somehow you know get into the play uh, playoff tournament and uh, make some noise? But uh, it's going to be interesting to watch them. All yeah, weekend. I think the the player they're trying to move is Andrew Wiggins, which yes. is interesting given Wiggins. how crucial mm-hmm. he was in that 2022 championship. BJ, what are yes. your thoughts on the Warriors? Well, it's about expectations with them and. Now we've gone from a team that has talked about championship aspirations. You know, that's what they're about out right, there. Right. To suddenly now, can they just get into the play-in game? Yeah. You know, it's it, <laughs> right. it's you know, it's like the yeah. narrative. So I'm 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 just gonna leave that one alone. I don't expect much other than, you know, look, I think Steph Curry, you know, and these guys can play an entertaining brand of basketball. However, you know, I've been watching them for the last two or three games or so. Now they fully committed to Draymond starting at the center position. Now, normally he would slide over there during the course of the game and play majority of the minutes. Now they've just gone full out with him playing at the center position, which is a signal signal to me is that the commitment for Kaminga now is now. There's no more figuring out where he's going to play. I think Kaminga right now is your full-time starter. I think they've committed to them. And I think this signals that if not during the deadline, I think in the summer, guys, I think they have to do something. I think now Kaminga has fully moved into, I think he's one of the top two players now within. And they're going to have to figure that out. Now, is he good? Is he a small four or is he going to be the three? You know, that's debatable. I don't know. But I think without question now, during the regular season, he looks to be, Steph Curry one and he's two right now, especially on the offensive end. So I think this is a big transition for them. Yep. And maybe they just play it out not to blow things up to give, you know, during the during the regular season. But I think in the yeah. summer, I think it's inevitable that one or two of those guys are gonna have to be moved over there in the summertime. No, yeah, that, no, no, there's no question about that. I agree with that. That uh it's it's gotta be the summertime. I think they're probably just saying. We'll hold on to the big three mm-hmm. and let's just see what happens the, the remainder of the year. You know, maybe there's some magic that, that can happen. But if not, uh, I think Golden State is in for a very busy summer and a lot of change. And uh, those two players that you mentioned, obviously Steph Curry, but Jonathan Kaminga has, uh, you know, risen up the charts there, in my opinion, uh, as a as a keeper and someone to to build around moving forward. And they got Moses Moody as well, who's missed a few games with injuries recently. Yep. And he'll be coming back. Mm-hmm. He's a very promising player too. What I love about Kaminga, ESPN had a graphic of before and after his haircut, but the difference in his play, he went from like 13 points a game to 25 points a game. But really, <laughs> it's before and after he called out Steve Kerr. Um, remember, he had that press yeah. conference where, where he had a little, a few comments there. And Steve Kerr said, go out there and prove it then. And he has, so credit to him. BJ, which yeah. team are you looking at this week? Well, guys, I'm going back to the East. I'm going back to some some roots that I, I I've had. Not your bullies, 
not my bullies. It's our bullies. This it couldn't be our bullies. Yeah. Yeah. Our lions. Hey, hey, hey. These are my teams. I'm claiming my teams. These are our bullies. You know, you guys know I, I, I got a soft spot for the Chicago Bulls. And they've been in the trade headlines since the beginning of the season. It seems like with Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan. And it's going to be fascinating to see, one, guys, will they be able to move Zach Levine? I think, you know, Scott, you know, this would be a great, you know, question for Scott to kind of dive into. What's the ramifications of accepting a contract like that with Zach Levine? What does that mean to your team under this new collective bargain agreement? And they have a player that I know is desirable in DeMar DeRozan. Well, actually, they have a couple of players, Caruso and DeMar, I think were very mm-hmm. desirable around the league for especially playoff level teams. Or are they going to keep those guys and try to restart or refresh the group and commit to DeMar DeRozan? I, I believe he's a free agent coming up yes, or something. Yes, yes. Yeah, coming before. up. So it's going to be fascinating to see what they're going to do as we hit down to, you know, the, the trading deadline. And I think it's going to kind of give us an indication of what they're going to do going into the summer and what direction they're going to go in. So I'm going to be looking at the Bulls here. I think they have some big decisions to make here as we approach the trading deadline, guys. Zach Levine is out for another week, I think I read yesterday, uh, with an injury. PJ, uh, Scott, sorry, how hard is it to trade a guy who has so many injury issues throughout his career and uh, more importantly, the season in which you're trying to trade him? Um, How much leverage do you lose in a front office when trying to make a deal with a guy who has an abundance of talent. However, you saw when he stopped playing just how good Kobe White and Patrick Williams could be without him there. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back and then he gets injured again. So do that Bulls have any leverage in these negotiations? I don't think they have a lot of leverage. Uh, it's, you know, look, the, the best ability is availability. So especially when you're trading for a player that's under contract for 41, 44, $47 million, who, by the way, and I've said this before, excellent talent, but that is a salary of a number one option. And to be quite frank, Zach Levine probably is a three or four on a very good team, a team that has a chance to win. And so it's just not a lot of winning there in his background. Could be a, a two or three. In the background. I think four is a push. Well, I'm just, look, he has the talent, but the reason why I say four, injuries too. Mm. You know, you got to be available. And that is that is huge. And so, the, you know, the injury history coupled with the lack of winning to go along um, with his hefty salary is going to make it a little difficult to trade. Now, you know, I heard years ago when I first started in the NBA, just about any contract is tradable. But, you know, there's, that's not always true. Do I think he ultimately... We'll get moved. I do, but I'm not just so sure it's going to happen at the deadline. Um, but you know, we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure that they're being very aggressive and actively trying to do that. But it's it's going to be difficult. It's not an easy task. It's a, it's a big haul, um, very big haul. What do you think about the rumors about the Pistons trading for Zach Levine? I asked BJ about this the other week. Uh, I haven't had a chance to ask you about it yet. Well, the Pistons are at, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to take on that type of salary <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to me. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Look, you're, you're in last place in the entire league right now, but they have some good young talent there. But to take on a player, again, who's not a number one option, who's not a number two option, but his money is number one option, uh, that, to me, uh will kind of paralyze your ability to grow and move and build from that case, you know, moving forward. They've got decisions on the horizon with Kay Cunningham, who's just completing his third year, who's going to be looking to get uh, a sizable raise for sure as a, as a promising young player. And then they've got the, the class that's, you know, right behind them. Now, do they need veteran help to go along with the team? Absolutely. You know, they've been, relying a lot this year on Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. They'll probably have to, if they're not keeping those guys around, figure out 
what other veteran players they could get. But in my opinion, you want to get those players at a, a lower price point, good veteran players that can add to a winning culture and help that team to start to ascend. So I don't personally see uh, that trade making a ton of sense. Well, the team that I'm looking at this week is on a nine-game winning streak as we record this. We're recording this just before they play the Lakers at home. And it's the New York Knicks. Because <laughs> even without Mitchell Robinson, even without Julius Randle now lately, um, a bunch of guys missing time, they just keep on rolling. And I said the other day, I tweeted out, that there is a world in which the Knicks be in the conference finals. Because somehow, some way. Their defense is just crazy now with OG. And the more important reason is they have Evan Fournier's salary and a whole bunch of picks that they can go out and acquire yet another player. So I'm looking at the Knicks this week to see, if, number one, if they keep winning, but number two, the moves that they could potentially make before the trade deadline. What are you seeing from the Knicks, PJ? Um... Yeah, I, I'm just going to continue to watch and enjoy. The Knicks are playing great. The Knicks are playing terrific. However, I want to see, I always look for teams that can play and what level they can actually play at. Now, when I look in the, the Knicks and I look at the team, I go, okay, they're playing terrific basketball right now during the regular season. They play hard. They are opportunistic in their in their shot selection. They shoot a lot of threes. They have a terrific player who can play downhill in Jalen Brunson. You guys both hear me talk about that. There's a style of play that you have to play with, and you need a lead guard. It's very hard to play in today's game without a player who can play downhill. They have that. They can play screen role. They play, they, 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 they are, they, they play hard now. But I also look at it and I go, once the game slows down, once the game you get to the playoffs, what are they going to go to? And what are they going to do that they're currently, they could get better at right now, right? I don't know if they can shoot any better. I mean, I, I watched DiVincenzo and these guys score yep. 30 points, 40 right. points the other night. <laughs> Jalen Brunson, listen, I don't know how much better he can play. I mean, I mean, do you guys think he can play any better? Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the nope. kid is playing terrific. No, he's playing. Yeah, he, he's playing. You know, I'm looking at their guys. You know, Harden's thing. I mean, he's playing terrific. OG, wow. Everyone is just like playing at an elite level. Now, when you get to the playoffs, I'm going to take away something. That's why these guys. That's why these teams are in the playoffs. These are the better teams of the league. And what I'm concerned about is when teams begin to take away something. What are the New York Knicks going to go to? I know the brand of basketball they like to play. I watched them play the other night against the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, man, Jalen Brunson, these guys were terrific. And then I watched them play the other night against whoever they played. I think it was the Portland Trailblazers or someone they played. But when they start playing against the better teams, when we start getting to the playoffs, the Miami Heats, the Sixers, the Cavaliers, and these guys, these teams are pretty good, too. And what are they going to go to? What's plan B? And what's the other option for this group? If Jalen Brunson had, doesn't have it going, what are we going to go to right now? What, what, are we, what, what are we going to go to? What if there's a bad matchup with Julius Randle in, in one round, whomever, whatever? Let's say he's playing against the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, I, Julius Randle is an all-star. Giannis is an all-star too. I still think it's an advantage when you Morgan play against Bucks, Giannis. Thank God it's Jalen Brunson. Though. Thank yeah, God yeah, it's yeah. no one on the perimeter. Well, it, again, you, you, teams will sometimes find a way to do things. It's, it's not these aren't automatic things. I mean, I, I great. I I get it when you're playing the way the younger generation thinks now. You know, it's like they just look at the stats and go, "Oh wow." Well, sometimes, believe it or not, you don't play well. Sometimes or not, coaches will come up with defensive schemes and take away something. Believe it or not, okay? But I, I I get it. So I just want to see what other options are available and how can they win if everyone is not clicking. 
Yeah, I think this is where they'll miss quickly as well because of the scoring punch he brought in off the bench. Because you're going to take away. Because as great as they've been, their stars are logging huge minutes. As it is a Tom Thibodeau team, that's what that's what happens. But their bench scoring is nowhere to be found since they got rid of Emmanuel quickly. One just, I just have one quick comment about them. Right now, today, as we see that they are playing at an optimal level, elite. They're playing at an elite elite level. level. I mean, as well as a team can play. And if the playoffs started today, they'd be one of the favorites. They, they, yeah, yeah, they, they'd be one of the favorites the, the, to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. What I'm going to be looking for is how this team is playing in early April as you get ready to go into the playoffs. Are they still playing at the same level? Have they leveled off or have they dropped a little bit? I think that's the key. Because I want to be playing my best or better, you know, best basketball yeah, going into the playoffs. Yeah, I want that momentum. And I think this team will need that momentum. I think that's important for the group. So that's the the, the one uh, point I would want to add. Well, the only remaining question I have for you guys this week is, um, Scott, I'll start with you because uh, BJ is probably still upset. But who do you have mm-hmm. winning the Super Bowl? <laughs> hey, I tell you what, I thought long and hard about this one because oh, I really like I really like both teams. I, you know, if if you ask me this in the middle of the season, uh, the 49ers were the best team in football. Um, but an injury here or there, the players dropped a little bit. The Chiefs were struggling middle of the year. But now, as I've been watching this playoff basket, um, playoff football, uh, I like where the Chiefs are at. I can't go against Patrick Mahomes. He's the best quarterback of this era, and arguably, you know, one of the best ever to do it. He's poised in these situations. And another thing I look for in these matchups is what happens in the trenches, both on the offense and defensive lines. And both teams have good units on both sides of the ball. But in the playoffs, I, I I lean towards how the Chiefs uh, front group of, you know, offensive line and defensive lines are playing, I think, a little bit better than what the 49ers are playing right now. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs uh, in a close one. Uh, Patrick Mahomes being the difference maker. Um, there's excellent coaches on both sides. Uh, Andy Reid has been a champion, too. Uh, and I just, you know, and and the last thing I had, they, they might have a little Swifty magic going right now. You know what? You were there and he said that. Scott, you a Swifty? I'm all about Mahomes. Exactly. Now, BJ, should I tell you? BJ, remember when I told you I had the script for the in-season tournament when they first announced it? I've got the script for the Super Bowl. It, well, you were well, wrong. Oh, you were wrong yeah, on the yeah, last yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I exposed it and they heard. <laughs> they, they, they didn't want to be exposed. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. What team does Travis Kelsey play for? The Chiefs. Chiefs. The Chiefs yeah. will win. Mm-hmm. And then she'll come running onto the court or onto the pitch or the, the field or whatever. Field. Yeah, on the field. And uh, he, he will propose to her on the thing. And it will be the most viewed internet thing yeah. of the year. And it's yeah. the biggest publicity the NFL will ever get because exactly. Taylor Swift's fans are on another level. Exactly, and it will be like, right. a, exactly. like a Disney movie. That he, he takes off his helmet, exactly. and proposes, exactly. and da, 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 da. that's what's going to happen. Hey, but, hey, Mo, I like I, I like how you took that cue and ran with it too. Come on, yeah, 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 it's, yeah, a yeah, okay. it's a business. It's a business. Okay. It's a business. Exactly. If, it, if it's that, I, I'm rooting for the Chiefs. If it's that, I'm rooting for the Chiefs. <laughs> However, any team that beats my Lions, I got to stick with them because I we, we got well, to lose thing. to the champs, right? You want to lose? We, to the hey, champs. hey the if champ. we're going to lose, we lost to the we lost to the eventual champion. So, so I'm gonna stay out here, living out here in California. Let me let me ask you this: as someone who doesn't know about the NFL, can you give me an NBA comparison for both of these teams from any NBA team ever? Doesn't have to be this season. Who do they remind you of? In I don't know their style or, or whatever it may be. Wow, that's a yeah. that's a good, well. Mahomes good is one of the great. I mean, he's one of the great. I mean, yeah. I don't study oh, as yeah, much no as Scott, question. but Mahomes is one of the, the the best I've seen at the yeah. position. I mean, it was you'd say, oh, so if you want to equate that, you know, 
excellent, you know, quarterback, like said, one of the greatest of all time. And I'm gonna go with one of the greatest winners of all time at that position. That's Magic Johnson and those Ooh. Lakers. Okay. And the Lakers, you know, and 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 they won in different fashions, won championships. Some seasons they just steamrolled through the regular season and through the playoffs on the way to the championship. Other times they kind of stumbled around like the Chiefs have done. But when they get there, they're tough to beat. So uh, maybe the, the the Showtime Lakers would be uh, the the best comparison I could make from a, a, a basketball standpoint to the to the Chiefs uh, and the 49ers. BJ, seeing as they beat your team, who who they remind you of? Does it remind you of every team in the league this season beating your Pistons? Or you know, that remind me of, <laughs> of, 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 of the. <laughs> what year was that? You guys won it, Scott. What year was that? You guys won two thousand four. Okay, they're the 2004. Yeah. They're the 2004 oh, Detroit Pistons. Pistons. Hey, okay. Hey, oh, there's hey, some dogs over hey, there. They went ugly. You know, they, they went, went ugly. They, they went go, ugly. You know, if it's one thing in 49ers, just like last week, they played ugly and still won. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and they got and, and what's my man Debo what's his name what's his name De oh Debo oh Debo Samuels oh, he's, he's, he, he, he's physical he just go hey. you know he, he they, they just go grind you down a little bit beat you up a little bit and if, uh if, and, you know jump up jump up the game well if you're a defensive player you're earning your money coming you're up earning. to hit him yeah he is he is solid <laughs> yeah, as a brick wall boy he's yeah. solid he kind of exactly. like he's, he's unorthodox a little bit he's like yeah, Wallace, he's, you know exactly trust me on this mo if you a and, defensive back or linebacker you go get your rest okay you know what that's, and, that's a big man that's a big and the, man and the 49ers had the best running back in the league right now yeah yeah yeah, yeah he's, yeah, he's really know. good you can you know yeah, and, yeah. and they got a great story too mo they do have a great story on brock purdy you know yeah. mr relevant the last player yeah, yeah. even though he went to iowa Brock's state you know, i can still he said exactly state, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no so so if those are the comparisons i want the 49ers to win because I'll never root for a Lakers comparison. Lakers, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Come on, you know me better than that by now. You should know me better. Okay. But, yeah. uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, Scott, you'll be back with us next week. And um, yes. we'll, we'll see how it goes this week. And hopefully there's a few trades and things that we can talk about. But you guys at home, make sure you subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And thank you, Scott. Thank you, BJ, for joining us. And until next week, get buckets. <laughs>